Today is January 16th, 2020, and this is episode seven. I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. The South Dakota Catholic Conference represents the bishops of South Dakota on matters of public policy, providing explanations of how church teaching applies to the issues of our day. On this podcast, we range from the soul to the state as we try to cultivate those virtues and principles and help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. On Tuesday, January 14th, the state of South Dakota opened its annual legislative session. So for the next few months, we're going to be shifting gears a little bit and diving into the nuts and bolts of what's happening in the capital city. Our topic today is House Bill 1057 a bill supported by the South Dakota Catholic Conference. It's called the Vulnerable Child Protection Act by its prime sponsor. And joining me today to discuss the bill is Dr. Chris Bergwald. Chris has a doctorate of sacred theology from the Angelicum in Rome and is the director of adult discipleship and evangelization for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Chris. Happy to be here. Yeah, good to to see you. Um, Likewise. So before we really discuss the bill, I think it may be helpful to just kind of lay out like what it says first and, um, you know, what it's trying to do. Um, So the the bill, which anybody can access by going to uh, sdlegislature.gov and typing in, uh, hitting 2020 bills and then type in 1057 in the search bar, the bill uh, will come up for you. But you'll see that the bill seeks to prevent a medical professional from doing any one of the following to a child. First, uh, certain sorts of surgeries that would include castration, uh, vasectomy, hysterectomy, oophorectomy, uh, metodioplasty, orchiectomy, penectomy, phalloplasty, vaginoplasty, mastectomy. These are various sorts of uh, plastic surgeries um, that we might uh, think of in colloquial terms as sex change sorts of surgeries. Uh, The bill would also prevent uh, for a minor Uh, a medical provider prescribing either puberty-blocking drugs or cross-sex hormones. And this is all oriented towards uh, these these sorts of medical interventions that would be for the purpose of affirming or changing the child's perception of his or her sex if that perception is inconsistent with uh, the the biological reality of their body. Um, And very appropriately, the bill uh, does exempt um, certainly uh, any medical intervention that would fall in the above stated category, if it would be for the purpose of treating something like precocious puberty or a genetic disorder of sexual de- development, kind of a legitimate um, physiological condition of, of the body. So in essence, just to kind of sum that up, um, this is a, a bill that um, it, would, it would prevent children who believe themselves to be the opposite sex or have uh, distress surrounding their perception of sex. Uh, of sex. Um, it prevents them from undertaking what could be really serious and um, irreversible, lifelong uh, medical interventions. So that's, um, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of the bill. And before we uh, dive into it any further, Chris, I think it is really important to say, too, um, you know, just for anybody who's, who's tuning in or watching, is that it's really important to acknowledge that when we talk about uh, some of these issues that can be really sensitive um, within contemporary society, that we just really acknowledge that we're talking about real people here. Yep. Um, you know, we're not, it's not just data. This is it's a real people. They're made by God. They're loved by God. 
the experiences um, who we're called to love ourselves, who we're called to love ourselves. You know, they're, they're eminently lovable and, and the pain can be really intense. <clears throat> so whether it's um, this experience that a, a person themselves is having, or maybe a family member, you know, it's, or a friend, somebody, you know, it's, we, we just really have to approach uh, the topic with really due sensitivity and love. Um, at the same time, you know, we really, as faithful citizens, as Catholics, we do need to form our consciences and, um, and really understand what the church teaches about, about some of these topics that arise, even, you know, even recognizing that they're sensitive. And why. And why. I, and, why. And, and the why. So we can explain that to other people who might ask. That's right. So, um, you know, with that as an introduction, Chris, maybe we could start off why, by just like helping us to understand, you know, what, how does the church understand the idea that um, someone could be the opposite sex. Yeah, so I think to start with, Chris, I'm, I'm going to preface my remarks by saying I'm going to present what the church teaches. And as I just said, I think it's important also that we think about why uh, behind that. Um, we're not going to have time to get into the depths of the whys that some people might want to know um, in, in, in this, this episode. Uh, but there are answers out there. So I want to encourage people, if, 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 we, if I leave you feeling a little bit dissatisfied, there's more out there. If you want more, there's more out there. Um, so to start with, um, we read in the very beginning of Scripture, and I'm going to start with what the church understands, and then we can talk how we explain that to other people. But God created humanity, male and female. And that, that's sort of a, a, a given that the church presents. But I think we, we've heard that as many lifelong Christians have heard that forever. But when you think about that, what that means is the, the understanding of reality that the church presents, that God presents through scripture, through divine revelation, <clears throat> is that the human person um, is the union of a body and a soul. You know, the, the spiritual component, the physical component, they go together. And who I am, so... I'm Chris Bergwald, you're Chris Motes. Um, Chris Bergwald is the union of, of my body and my soul. Chris Bergwald is not the soul that dwells within this thing that I can that you can touch and see and feel and so on. Um, hopefully not smell. Uh, the, the reality is, so right? So they, they, it goes together, and this is what it means to be human. So my body is not sub-personal. My body has equal dignity, although it's not immortal the way my soul is. My body is an intrinsic part of who I am. So when I, you know, I, I've said many times, it's not so much that I have, I have a body, it's that I am a body. I am an embodied creature. Again, I'm just presenting what the church teaches, um, uh, which, which is, I think, the nature of, of reality. When we experience, I don't say, you know, when I, if, if I were to hit you uh, in the face, we wouldn't say, well, why did, why did you use your hand to hit me? You'd say, why did you hit me? Right? Yeah. Because we recognize yeah. it's, 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 it's composite. They go together. So what I am is a body and soul together. And this body is a male body. And therefore, I am male. I mean, does that, does that make sense, Chris? Yeah, it does. It does. And, and there's another sort of, we need to take the next step though to, and, and think like to be another sex, um, which is the idea that's, you know, prevalent uh, today. Right. 
So that idea, what the idea says is actually the I, the thing that has value in me is, is sort of the, 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 the psychological, uh, emotional, even spiritual component. And, and that component is at odds with this body. And yet the church, again, with love and compassion and mercy and tenderness says, no, that, that's, that's not how God creates us. What you, acknowledging the, the, the duress uh, the, that, that, that is felt by people with gender dysphoria, acknowledging that, um, not, not trying to say, oh, you know, you're just faking it or anything ridiculous like that. Acknowledging the reality of that, um, the church says, um, again, with love and mercy, no, God has created you with this body because this is who you are. Recognizing that, again, there's, there's some at, at least psychological distress with that, um, but, but still uh, acknowledging this is the reality of who we are. So for, for a child who's experiencing, particularly a child who's experiencing feelings that they, um, that their isness is not in accord with the, just the biological reality of their body, why, uh, why would we conclude that puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones or permanent surgeries are not the answer to relieve this child's distress? Because the, the, um, this goes deep. You guys have talked about this before. This goes deep into some fundamental, like really profound philosophical um, conversations, which I don't want to get too deep into. But the reality is that who I am is given mm-hmm. to me. I don't make myself. I didn't create myself. Um, who I am has been given to me by a creator who loves me. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the reality is that, that that we all, in various ways, feel some sort of inner tension because, from a Christian, biblical, Catholic perspective, we're sinners. We're right. fallen. Right. Um, so I have um, maybe desires that don't match with the way things are either. We all, every one of us, does because of the reality of fallen human nature. So what we would say. The, the key is not to try to make me other than what I am because I can't unmake me and make me different. The key is to somehow trust that God in his mercy and his love will, will, will help me to carry this difficult cross that, that somebody with gender dysphoria in, with this specific issue has been given. So with this child, um, to help them recognize, no, if, if, I were, if this were one of my kids, my son, my daughter, God has created you as, as a boy. As a girl, I know we, that you feel differently, but this is how he's created you. And we can't undo that. If we try to undo that surgically, the inner reality of who and what I am doesn't change. And I think I don't want to get, this is not my area of expertise. I'm going to acknowledge that quickly. But the, the, the studies, the data that I've seen is that in many cases, um, some of these, these medical interventions um, oftentimes do not help alleviate that, that psychological distress. Yeah, and um, even just I kind of poked around on YouTube and Reddit and some of these online forums, and I, I think the, the the term often used for for persons that have kind of realized like, well, I'm not this hasn't made me happy in any um, like substantive way, a, a detransitioner, and just kind of sharing some of the real stories of pain and regret with a, a friend uh, last year. I, I kind of got the rejoinder. Oh, what would you know? What would Pope Francis say? Um, kind of 
maybe um, uh, mimicking a bit or, or rebounding some of the con- um, you know contemporary media takes on on the Holy Father, which is like a great question. You know, uh, what what does papal magisterium have to say about that, or even just some of the this, you know non magisterial statements from recent popes, including Pope Francis? Right, and, and not, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here, but <clears throat> certainly, I mean, Pope Francis is different than Pope Benedict was different than Pope John Paul II was different than Paul VI and go on, on all the way back to St. Peter. So certainly Pope Francis has, <clears throat> excuse me, his, his own style and he's going to have his, his points of emphasis. But on questions like this um, around um, what does it mean to be human? Um, what is the human person? There is great consistency. I mean, the Holy Father on issues like this has talked about ideological colonization, right? Uh, wherein uh, maybe this Western secular mentality is being imposed on other cultures and other nations. So the Holy Father, what will Pope Francis say? Um, to, uh, well, I would say what Pope Francis is saying. Right. What I presented is is. In effect, yeah, he doesn't necessarily always go into the detail, but but he, uh, as he has said many times, I am the faithful son of the church. Right. So Pope Francis, in his own style, manner, and so on, would say the exact same thing that you and I are saying. Yeah, amen. So I think um, just part of that conversation I was having with this friend was just, uh, you know, I kind of came face to face in this scenario with how contentious this can really be. Sure. in society. And one of the things that can come up for us as, as faithful Catholics, as we're, we are dealing with frankly contentious um, issues, is a bit of a temptation towards um, either fear or apathy. I don't want to get involved. I don't, need to, uh, I don't need to stand up on this. Do you have any thoughts or encouragement for people that are thinking through this um, as to, you know, how they should think about it? Um, or or what they might do if they're having those feelings or temptations towards, uh, I can just sit this one out. Yeah, I think the first thing to do would be to pray, mm-hmm. um, to turn to the Lord. Uh, maybe that is what he's asking. I mean, you know, we're, we're not called to be you know on the front lines twenty four seven per se. Maybe that, but to be honest, um, I, I'm confident in saying that he does ask us to be. And, and the way that the church's shepherds are, are the bishops in our country, at least, have articulated it. He calls us to be faithful citizens. Right. Um, and a citizen, to be a citizen means to be um, a faithful citizen is one who brings their faith to bear and engages in the work of being a citizen, which means to be involved in in the, the public policy discussions and debates. Ours, ours is, again, as we all know, a representative Republican democracy. Um, and, and it depends its health today and in the future depends on all citizens uh, being engaged in the process. So, but certainly we as Catholics who are called to, to enter, especially as lay people, Chris, we're called to enter into the world, to call to be leavened from within the world. Um, leaven does no good to raise the dough if it's still in the package in, in the cupboard. Amen. Yeah, um, amen. We, we, have to, we have to allow the Lord to pour us into the dough so we can raise it up. Well, and one of the reasons I think that it can be, we can have this temptation towards um, maybe just taking a step back and not getting involved because some of our fellow citizens, they, they, they do have this view of the church uh, of like sort of this finger wagging nag. Like we're just sort of um, articulating these negative impositions 
but that's that's not exactly right. There's 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 like a more complete, full, joyful proposal at stake here. And, and, and Chris, if, if nothing else, the reason why we need to speak is so we can give a different perception. The, the mm. reason our friends need to see not just some statement, frankly, that comes from Chris Motes and the South Dakota Catholic Conference, but our friends need to see, oh, my neighbor Chris Motes, who's a good guy uh, and who cares for people. They need to see us in flesh articulating with compassion and mercy why these things are true and real and important. So I want to go back, you know, if we might be concerned, that's why I said turn to the Lord in prayer, just for affirmation that this is something we're called to do, but also for the strength and the courage to enter into it. Because that's true, we might face some blowback. Um, honestly, Chris, I think more times than not, um, the, our fear of, of really divisive conversation, with at least with people we know, is more fear than reality, but ask the Lord to give us the strength to do, and we and we know that He will. You know, a word that's come up a couple times is like articulate or articulable, and I think sometimes with inside of us too, like we have a hesitancy to make proposals to our fellow citizens who don't share our creed, you know, don't share our beliefs, whether Christianity or maybe not non-religious. Um, it can feel like, oh, this is a foreign language. And I've encouraged people when they're, you know, contacting their legislators, whether they're calling them on the phone or sending an email, is like, don't just say this is what the church teaches and yada, yada, yada. You really got to articulate it in your own words. Um, because I mean, I think we can, we can make proposals in the public square that the, the word the church uses is reason, right? So I, I know you're a, I know you're active in, in terms of like trying to f figure out ways how you can be a faithful citizen. Maybe just share a little bit like what does that mean for us in terms of like reason? How do we how do we approach these issues through human reason? Yeah, I think it's a really important question. So I, you know, I started Chris with um, your your first question, and I was referring to Genesis chapter one, male and female, he created them, and so on. Uh, and I think that's for us as people of faith, we have to ground ourselves in what the church teaches and why she teaches it. But then we also have to. So if I'm talking, if I were to contact when I contact my legislator to talk about this bill, I'm not going to quote Genesis chapter one, unless I happen to know that they're a Catholic or a Christian, but, but maybe they're not. I have to also be able to articulate the, the, why, the what and the why of the church's teaching through, as you just said, the reason. And, and this is one thing that I, as a, as a lifelong Catholic, but one who, who stopped practicing his faith for a time in college, one thing that I came to love when I really discovered the beauty of the faith is that it's reasonable to be Catholic. It's reasonable to be Christian. There are good reasons, in other words, for why we believe what we believe and do what we do, even on, on matters such as the question, the question that we're discussing today. So I think one, one key thing for us is to... to uh, really investigate. Okay, how do I talk to people? Like, what what are the the reasoned the, the, the reason alone arguments, if you will? And I think it goes back to the the idea that I articulated at the beginning about who and what we are is biblical, but it's also a philosophical one. In other words, you don't need to know what the Bible says in order to realize that that we are body soul composites, to use the technical term. Um, and, and again, we don't have time today to go deep into this, but um, there are great resources out there that can help us articulate the reason alone um, arguments in favor of, of what the, this bill is supporting and, and in, which are in favor of what the church teaches. 
Yeah, it's, um, I, I think it is really important to have a grasp of, of some of this um, reasonableness. I, I, I'm testifying on a, another bill on uh, kind of surrounding this topic last year. I was approached after giving testimony uh, in the committee um, by a legislator who I was a bit disappointed didn't end up voting for the bill, but he just said, Chris, thank you. You know, thank you for your testimony. You didn't bring in, you didn't bring in fear. You didn't bring in emotion. You were so reasonable. And I just took that as, um, not just as a compliment to myself, but actually as a lesson learned for one of the primary tasks in today's world, um, in a world that is kind of um, becoming more emotive and losing its grip right. on on the tools of reason. Right. One of the tasks of the church and for people of faith can be to just model and demonstrate demonstrate how to, in a civic way, engage in the processes of reason. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, you know, as we're kind of drawn to a close here, we've talked about um, kind of faithful citizenship and, and some practical things. I love your point about, you know, first, first pray, just like um, really if we're going to be the leaven of the world, we do have to pray. Um, we just have to, everything has to begin and end there. Like we're not, we're not really doing our jobs if we're not um, bearing Christ in our, in our very hearts and, and acknowledging our dependence on him every day through prayer. Um, following that, though, there are some really practical things. Anything is it that come to mind for you as like practically what can a, a Catholic citizen do when issues like this arise? Yeah, so I, I do think, well, turning to resources like the South Dakota Catholic Conference and the resources that you're in turn sharing, I think informing yourself. So, so we pray, but then we also seek to understand. Um, Theology, the classic definition of theology is faith-seeking understanding. So that's why I started with not only what does the church teach, but why does she teach it? And we, when we understand the why, we're more able to articulate that. Again, um, I, by the way, I'm not really mindful of how often I'm saying articulate. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but how often we speak about, how we speak about these issues um, to other people, including the legislators. So inform yourself, look to the resources that you're sharing, Chris, um, the conference is sharing, um, and, and, and maybe reach out to people, not just read, but, but reach out to the conference, reach out to maybe your priest, um, folks like myself, theologians, uh, people who can help maybe answer the questions. Cause I think to be honest, I think that's what, what people run into, right? So I read this article or this book, but I've got questions about it. who do I go to? I think that's where it's important to, to, um, to be unafraid, have the confidence to pick up the phone or type out the email and say, "Hey, Chris Motes, Chris Bergwald, um, watch this 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 podcast. Um, I've got some questions about this. I've done some reading. Do that, but then also engage in the process. Call or email your legislator. Let them know what you're thinking. Again, as you articulated earlier, Chris, not with fear or emotion, but through reason." Um, explain, you know, this is, this is why I support this bill and I'd ask you to support this bill as my representative in here. Chris, thanks so much for the discussion. Really grateful. You're welcome, Chris. Happy to be here. So if you like this episode of Faith in Politics, share it with a friend. Until next time, thanks for listening and check out the show notes. We, uh, we may get some resources up there uh, for those of you who are interested in some deeper reading. Thanks and I'll see you next time.